21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. <laughs> so, Brian Caton, long yes. care made easy. Hi, yes, how right. are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm ready to crush this podcast with you. Beautiful. I, I hope that we will have a great energy flow. So, can you tell us more about work-life balance we started speaking about? When you're in the entrepreneur community, there's this uh, mantra that you have to just kill yourself and grind hard, 100-hour weeks in order to get something started. And, uh, you know, and, then, and then on the other hand, there's this other, there's this other belief system of you have to have work-life balance and you have to, you ha- you have to take care of yourself and, and you have to, it's almost a little too extreme. And, and I'm somewhere uh-huh. in the middle. I, I think w- when you're starting a business from scratch, I think there's going to be weeks, months, years that you may have to run hard. You may have to work the 50, 60, 70 hour weeks to get something going from scratch. Uh, what uh, Peter Thiel calls from zero to one. You don't have anything and you're trying to get to at least uh, some kind of base camp of, of users and, and uh, profitability. And I think in those early days, you do have to run, you have to do have to run hard and your business is probably going to be your sole focus of your life. However, once you have a little bit of early momentum going in whatever it is you're doing, then I believe it's time to pull back and it's time to uh, sharpen the saw, so to speak. You need to sharpen your own axe. You need to invest in yourself. Make sure that you're staying in good health. Make sure that you're taking care of your body, taking care of your of your mind through meditation or prayer or whatever it is. And so if not, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to last for the marathon because it doesn't matter what kind of business you're starting. It, it can be a marathon. It's not a sprint. And so I think it's a balance between the two. At, at times you're going to have to really run hard and, and almost to uh, work to a point where you, you're exhausted. But at, at other times you're going to have to have that work-life balance. And I, I think if you try to focus on one or the other, at the cost of the other, I think that's a recipe for failure. Mm-hmm. Recipe for failure. Can, can you go a little bit deeper? So the reason why it's a recipe for failure is because in the early days, and I, I coach some, some entrepreneurs here in Nashville as a hobby, and I see this a lot, especially with, with younger uh, millennial entrepreneurs, is that they, they, say, they, they say, you know, Brian, I want to I have the life you have. I want to... I want to just work when I want to work and I, and I want to travel and I really don't want to do this corporate America stuff. And that's really what I want. And I say, okay, yeah, but man, I've been working my ass off for 20 years to get to this point. Hmm. And yeah, yeah, I get that. But, but uh, you know, how can I, how can I get there a little quicker, faster? And I, and, and I say, okay, well, whatever it is you're doing, are you willing to, are you willing to email a hundred people a day about it? Um, are you willing to work, 12, 13 hours a day in, in the first couple of months or years on, on this thing? No, not really. I really don't, I really don't want to kill myself on this thing. What's the point? So I think, I think in the early days, if you have that mentality that you're not willing to pour your entire life force into this business, then I don't think you'll ever get the traction to get it going. On the other hand, I, I myself have been uh, guilty of this where years will go by. And you're just, you know, your whole life is just one grind and five, 10 years goes by. And really your whole identity is wrapped up in your business. 
you, your friends are in some way related to the business. And if they're not, you've cut them out. Your family relationships are suffering. Your, your romantic relationships are suffering. And, and I think that's also a recipe for failure because you're not going to last. You're going to burn yourself out. You're not going to create the best company you can create because really you're just working. You're working hard and not smart. And, and you're, you're conflating uh, activity with progress. And so I think you have to have both at times, but you have to be self-aware enough to know when you're on one end of the stream or the other. When you're working with uh, young entrepreneurs, are there any ego issues involved? Yeah, yeah. Um, and myself have, have gone through this. The one thing I love about my businesses is that they've always been a vehicle for my own personal growth, my own personal development. And one of the most humbling things you can do is to start a business, whether it's a tech startup or just even a, a, a traditional type of business, restaurant, whatever. The marketplace is a harsh judge and she will give you feedback that you need and not that you want. So it's a very humbling journey. And, and you see uh, this, I see this particularly in younger, younger entrepreneurs, they're very resistant to the feedback. Um, you're, if you, if, let's say they want your feedback on their product and you're demoing their product and you're giving them a little bit of critique and a little bit of feedback, constructive feedback, they're, they're almost offended. And, and that's dangerous because it, to make it in this game, you're going to have to be a feedback sponge. And granted, you can't, you can't uh, just respond to, to every point of feedback, but you, you, you also can't be a know-it-all. You have to be a learn-it-all. You're going to have to be open to all sorts of criticism and feedback about your product, your service, and, and use that wisely to grow and to be successful. And so I think, I think a lot of young entrepreneurs come, overcome this, and the ones that don't, sometimes it's an inhibitor to, to their success. Are those young entrepreneurs walk the talk? Are they afraid of walk the talk? Great question. It's a balance of, of theory that you read in the books and, and practicality of you just launched this thing. How do you get 100 customers next month? Well, I read in a book somewhere that, you know, if we, if we, if we communicate this way and we have a brand identity and, and we bake uh, our why and our purpose into our, our product that, you know, that's how you become successful. Yeah, I get that. And you're right. But damn it, we need, we need 10 people to use this tomorrow. And how are we going to get them? Yeah, well, um, you know, I, we, I read about some user acquisition strategy. And, and if we, you know, maybe if we, we change the tone and the mood of the website that that no no you need to pass out flyers you need to cold call you need to email you need to figure out how the hell you're going to get those early users to use the product to get the real feedback that you need so that's just an example of of theory and which is important you need that but also practicality of getting in the trenches hand-to-hand -hand combat and, and doing the dirty work that you need to do to get your business going, to breathe life into your business. And uh, there's all, there might be a flip 
as you're starting a, one of these businesses to maybe it's 80, 20 in the beginning, like hand to hand combat and just, and just getting your hands dirty. And then as time progresses, you can think about some of these meta broader theories and concepts to, to further your success. But it's almost like, it's almost like a video game, you know, every level is going to require a different set of skills. And the early level is in the early levels is going to be very different than when you're when you're meeting the final boss. And so you kind of think about you're going to have to grow and adapt and use different philosophies and concepts as you grow the business. And in the early days, it's going to be very hands-on, very hand-to-hand. And and I see that element of just hustle missing in a, in a lot of uh, younger uh, entrepreneurs that I mentor. And that, as simple as it is, is one of the things that I'm, I have to beat into their head. Uh, and, and the ones that get it are the ones that come back to me a month, six months, a year later. And they're like, okay, you know, we've got a thousand customers and, you know, we're retaining X number of customers. And we know that a customer is worth a Y to us. And we know that we can acquire more doing this. Okay, now what do we do? Then let's start talking about other, other broader concepts like theory and like how we can apply some of these bigger picture things to get you to the next level. It's a balance between the two. And I think as you, as you scale, you, you go from one end of the spectrum to the other. You're a big guy. Do you kick the, their ass? Sometimes <laughs> they're young, <laughs> ego-structured asses. To, to your point, to your point uh, I, I've had to learn something called powerless communication, which is, yeah, okay. I, might, I might be a little, a little muscular and I might, could be, I don't know, a little intimidating. Uh, but once you get to know me, you understand, okay, this guy is no bullshit. He, he is, he's practical and he's going to give me the real, the real scoop on what it is I need to be doing. And then you lose sight of the fact that I might, you know, I, I might can bench 300 pounds. You don't care about that anymore. And, and so, and so but to your point, uh, how you look matters. And it, you, I, you know, as funny as I, as, as I have gained weight, uh, and, and I have fluctuated in my fitness journey over time, people react to me differently. I've noticed that it's interesting. What kind of energy you need to develop maybe through time, ha- having the ability to push, yeah, to create good relationships? I believe in a concept of power versus force. And so good energy is power. It is, it is a, uh, sometimes it's obvious that you can read it in somebody and their enthusiasm, but enthusiasm is not necessarily power but sometimes it manifests itself in enthusiasm and, and outward energy. However, I've met with, I've met with entrepreneurs who are maybe more uh, introverted and, and maybe uh, less, uh, less outgoing than I might be, but they exude a type of power that you can sense off of them because they, either, they are either masters in their domain or they have built successful things in the past uh, or, you know, even however minor, maybe they just built a, a mobile app game that, that a thousand people use, whatever it is, they have developed this internal power uh, through their life journey. And that, that manifests itself and it radiates off of them in a very different way than it might off of me, where I'm just a little more outgoing, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a little more engaging. So a lot of times people conflate en- good energy with enthusiasm and, out- and outgoingness and a lot. And sometimes that's just an indicator of somebody who's full of crap. And so you've seen, you've met these people where uh, we have a saying here, uh, it's they're all hat, no cowboy. And, uh, and so they might, they might appear as though they exude power, 
but it's really just force. So that is force. It's somebody that is coming at you with what is might perceive to be a, a strong energy and you're, you're interacting with them. You're like, yeah, this person really gets it. And then as you kind of dig in, you're like, no, this person's full of crap. And so, the, so I try to always remind myself, especially in my own personal development of, of just the dichotomy of power versus force and, and try to uh, cultivate power within myself and, and try to recognize in others, okay, is this person centered? Are they strong? Are they stable? Are they exuding power or are they exuding force? So we'll stay a longer till the clouds begin to break. And we'll cry a little harder till we start to feel okay. Beautiful, uh, beautiful, really great concept. Can we go a little bit deeper? What's the manifestation from your point of view of internal power? Yeah, internal power, I believe, and there's, you know, the, everything that I, every, all of my philosophies have come from just books that I've read and how I've applied them in my own personal life and how I've seen things kind of play out. And I believe that personal power, like your power comes from uh, what Stephen Covey calls private victories. So that means, these are things that you've accomplished in your life that you did uh, for yourself, or maybe you did because it was intrinsically motivated from within and not, not, from with, not, not because you wanted to impress somebody else or you did it for others, you did it for yourself. And maybe nobody ever found out about it but you. And it's those moments in life where you start to understand, okay, wow, I got through that or I did that and it was because I wanted to do it and I hold myself accountable to do it. And, and it's in those moments that you develop power, you develop inner confidence and you can't fake that. And, and so I think when you develop that and you cultivate that in yourself and, and you're staying true to who you are and you're interacting with others, people we're weird. We can, we're biologically programmed over the last several hundred thousand years to recognize these things. It's within our DNA to sense them uh, because it, 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 it it's what allows us to survive and replicate. You can sense off of somebody if they're, sometimes if they're full of crap or not, just how, with how they, an energy that they carry that is, that, that, that is power. And it's because they have done these things that has made them who they are. And it's tough because in our culture, we have a fake it till you make it uh, philosophy. And sometimes you do have to fake it till you make it. But at a certain point in time, you have to take inventory of the things that you've done, the things that you've accomplished, those private victories are sometimes the most important, no matter what they are. And it could be you did a, a half marathon or, or it could be that you sat, you know, in a, in an office for seven days uh, without taking a shower and you, you hacked together some product. And now that was how this whole thing started, you know, or it could be that you, uh, you helped out a friend that needed your help one time and they didn't even know it. Um, it's all of these things in life that, that I believe are these private victories that develop your own personal power. How to start developing internal power? You have to set some sort of goal for what, it, what you want your life to look like. And you, you, have to, you, you have to then back that down to, okay, what are, some, what, what, what are some things I can do this month, this year, to get closer to that big goal? And as you start to accomplish those, you start to develop a sense of self-worth and self-confidence that I believe is, are the, 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 early, the early stages of personal power. And so it could be 
personal um, uh, in terms of where you want to be. But, but also, man, for me, sometimes it's like on Sunday morning when I'm in the shower and I'm, and I'm, and I'm thinking about the week that just happened and if I had a good week or not. And one of the things that goes into that, if I had a good week was what did I do for others that week? Uh, what did I do for like volunteer work in my community? Or what did I do for family? Or what did I do for friends that was so completely selfless? And so a lot of that is, is where I developed some, some personal power as well. So one thing that I do just on a very practical level, and, I, and these, are like, these are theories and concepts that we're talking about. So let's, 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 let's reduce it back to something practical. So something that I do is I volunteer for a program called Achilles International. And what it is, is it's, it's a program for disabled athletes. And I, I train uh, with a guy who is visually impaired. He's blind. And he, we're training for a half marathon together. And, and every uh, Wednesday and Saturday, we get together. And he's tethered to me. And we run. And for me, you know, great. I'm getting the workout. It's awesome. So practically, it's, work, it's helping me. But also, like, I, uh, I, I just get a sense of fulfillment from that. Because here's a guy who, who's really similar to me, except for he, he just, he's visually impaired, who needs to work out, and I'm able to help him work out. It just feels good for me. I'm getting more out of it than he is. And, and that's one little thing that I do to help cultivate and maintain and grow my, my own personal power. Did you have your ups and downs in your life? Oh, yeah. And I, and I definitely, you know, over the last 20 years, especially, you know, bringing this back to entrepreneurship, for me, my businesses have always been uh, uh, just, just an extension of myself. Every business I've ever had has been me with scaffolding built out around my like, head. And, and, it just, just, and so I've been at the center of every company I've ever built and owned. And so as, as you know, there's ups and downs in business, inevitably for me, you know, whether I try to fight it or not, it affects me as, as how I feel, who I am, my own self-worth. Taking my last company through the, the 2008 crisis was really hard. We almost went out of business and going through that. Um, but then again, coming through that is, 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 you know, looking back, I'm glad it happened. And that's what I'm telling a lot of business owners now about going through the COVID crisis is if you can survive and find a way to get through this, you'll come out a better company. You'll come out a stronger company. And as crazy as it sounds, five or 10 years from now, you will look back at this. And you will be glad that it happened as insane as it sounds. Yeah. It's sad that, you know, we've lost all these lives and everything, but you personally, you've gone through this journey through this and your business survived, came out stronger. You'll be glad you went through it. So, so my ups and downs a lot of times have been tied to how my business has been doing and, and, and bad luck and not, you know, things that happened in those businesses at, you know, my last company was a landscaping business that uh, had 150 employees and you know one day i got a call that one of our trucks ran off the road and somebody got hurt really bad you know that was a mm -hmm. bad day in that business so mm -hmm. so there's ups and downs but you know without the without the bitter the sweet is not as sweet once i spoke with a 21st century entrepreneurship guest about a suicide rate in the states uh, among entrepreneurs and it's it's a topic that you can rarely hear about why do you think there are people especially entrepreneurs going so far to basically kill themselves yeah 
Yeah, it's sad. Um, and you, you, you know, it is, it is something that's happening in our culture and it's growing sadly. And I have my thoughts and, and theories on it, you know, as it relates to, to entrepreneurship and why you see, and, and you know, there's, there's been some high profile ones that have happened in the last five years that you hear about. I don't personally know a business owner that, that, that did that because his business was failing, but you do hear about those stories. And it, it goes back to, you know, what I, what I've been saying is, is that a lot of my joy comes from, from setting a goal and accomplishing it. And a lot of times that relates to my business. So if that's not going well, and it seems like there's no way out, then, then you can see how somebody can get to that dark, dark place. I think it's in times like those, you have to, you have to really then divorce yourself from your business and understand that there's so much more to you than your business. And, and that's one thing that I have struggled with over the last 20 years. It's, it's my identity was so wrapped up in, in my companies. And so I can definitely see where somebody can get to that place. I think that's why it's, you know, it's important. We talked about, you know, uh, going from one end of the extreme to the other in terms of hustle versus theory. Then I think as you get into year one, two, and three, you can then go back to balance and things like I'm talking about in terms of what are meditation, prayer, community, volunteer work in your community, your family, your friends, your romantic relationships, being the best at those that you can and killing it in your business because you have to have that balance. If you're an entrepreneur and business is just sucking and it looks like there's no, there's no way out, close it. You know, start a new one. Um, you know, it's, this stuff is not worth that. Winning is not worth that. But at times it's hard. To, it's definitely hard to see that. And so, you know, there's no, there's no silver bullet for this problem except for maybe, maybe we, can, we, can, we can coach entrepreneurs on, on understanding that once you, once you get the little flame ignited, it's time to pull back on the hustle part and it's time to have some balance in your life. So because your mental health going through this, like your own personal psychology is a competitive advantage. You know, if you can get to year three and four where you're, you're exuding, like we talked about, that power where you're just able to able to grow this thing through through an underlying power that that a lot of times is you in a good place you as the leader are in a good place you're mentally healthy healthy your body's in good health you're putting good fuel in your body you're you're you have a maybe you have a therapist that helps you cope with depression helps you understand that you know you are not your thoughts it helps you understand that you know your thoughts are not necessarily who you are you are the person that understands that you know, once you can maybe cultivate these concepts and understand them, then you can get through those really low, low lows and come out of them. How important the level of awareness is in the process? It's, it's really, you know, you look at the great entrepreneurs, a lot of them were just sought so much feedback. You know, you talk, you read about Mark Zuckerberg, who, who is a, is a, is a awkward guy, but he's a feedback machine. You know, he went from, I don't know how old he was, 19, 20 years old to now, you know, in his early thirties. And you look at his personal development and a lot of that came because he just was smart enough to know that he didn't know it all. 
and he was smart enough to surround himself with people that would give him good feedback and take it. And, and that's how, you know, you've watched him grow from where he was to where he is now. So cultivating that self-awareness a lot of times comes from feedback and we're biologically trained to be resistant to, to feedback and you have to overcome that. And the only way to do it is just to keep doing it and to be open to that feedback. You know, you get a coach, a, a coach is going to give you the feedback you need to hear. A lot of times you're, you know, your, your spouse, you want somebody that you can get good feedback from your friends, your true friends. You need to, you need to rely on good feedback. And then, you know, your coworkers, you need to be collecting that as well. And a lot of times it just comes back to being open to it, receiving it, and not necessarily reacting to every, every little piece of it, but collecting it all and making good judgment calls on how you can evolve and cultivate that, that self-awareness. And, and also the marketplace will constantly give you good feedback. <laughs> you need to be receptive to that as well. That's why I love business. It's a feedback machine. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the best way I know of to stay humble and develop that self-awareness. How would you define feedback and uh, are there any uh, inner prerequisites uh, for, for taking it? Yeah. Yeah, you, you have to, to receive feedback. You have to be in this, in Sorry, this place. Sorry, to receive it. Yeah. So it's to, my English. To, so not taking it, but to receive, to receive feedback. To receive feedback. I think to receive feedback well, you have to, you have to start, you know, you have to know who you are. Like you, you have to, you have to have those private victories like we've been talking about that give you a, a sense of stability and you have, you have strong, deep roots. You're, you're not, it's, it's like a dichotomy. You're not unbendable, you know, but you, you've got, you're like, you're stoic. You've got a good solid base underneath you. And so you have that, 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 that self-awareness, you have that self-confidence. And then as you start receiving feedback, you, you, you think, no, 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 I'm not that way. Or you think, oh, you know, maybe, 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 I, I don't know. You understand there's no absolute truths to anything. And you understand that, okay, yeah, maybe there's some validity to that. Okay, I'll take that, I'll take that under consideration. And you hear that piece of feedback again the following week. And rather than it just bouncing off of you, you start to absorb these things and you, you evolve with it and you grow. So I think being able to receive good feedback, it starts with cultivating those, those private victories. It starts with developing your own power versus force. Because if you're a forceful person, if you're constantly just jamming stuff at people, well, then the minute somebody comes back at you that's counter to that, no, 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 that's not it. That's not it. It's this. It's like if, if you have power, it's like, Hmm, maybe it could be, you know, thank you for that. I don't, I don't know, uh, but it could be. And then you, and then you ponder that. And, and I think it's a much better place to be. And it goes, it is, is, is constantly holding yourself accountable. Am I exuding power or am I exuding force? Could, could we define it uh, as a, some kind of acceptance process? Yeah. It's, so it's, you need to accept You need to, you can't be like bendable to the point where you're always reacting to everybody's feedback because then you have no principles. It's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a, like a, 
a tall tree with no roots. Uh, if, if, you know, you'll just, you'll just bend over. If you're this big, tall oak tree and you have shallow roots, you know, you, 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 if, if, if you're receiving feedback, it could steer you in the wrong way. There's a quote that says, uh, a Mark Twain quote, it says, it's not what you don't know that hurts you. It's what you absolutely believe to be true that just ain't so. And so sometimes if you're receiving the wrong feedback and you're taking it to heart and you're set off on the wrong course, it, it can be detrimental. So to use the tree metaphor, you, you have to develop that inner confidence, that, that, that inner stoicism to receive, I think, to be able to receive feedback. But also, you don't want to be the little shrub that's got roots 20 feet deep, you know, because, because then you're not manifesting yourself in a way that I think people will respond to. You have to have a balance. You have to have a balance of both. And so there's no magical number. Like I heard this, I heard this point of feedback four or five times. But if you have done a good job of cultivating your inner self, I think you, the good feedback will hit better and you'll absorb it better. If you haven't done that, then, then you're like the tall tree with, with no roots. And then the feedback, you're resistant to it because that's threatening, that's threatening who you are. You don't have any roots. You don't have, you don't have any base underneath you. And so you're naturally resistant to it and, you're, and, and you don't want any of it to land. And then you miss out on the good feedback. business loan care made easy uh can you tell us a little bit more about it yeah so the it's an app and it's called green pal and in one sentence it's kind of like uber but for lawn mowing so let's say you you have a house your homeowner home renter you may you most likely have a yard around the house and so that grass has to be mowed on a weekly or every two week basis how do you get that done well, in a traditional sense, you call around on Craigslist, maybe go on Facebook. You might uh, ask for friends and family for recommendations. You call a bunch of services. Maybe you get a couple quotes back. You hire a, a, a guy or gal, and they may show up. They may not. You have to leave a check under the mat or pay them cash or Venmo them. And then it's like a pain in the butt. If they don't show up, you got to repeat that whole process again. GreenPal solves all of that in 60 seconds. You sign up. You enter your details about your property and you'll get five quotes back in less than a minute uh, from lawn care services nearby you. You can read reviews about them, look at data that we've collected about them, how often they show up on time, how often their clients book them for a second service, all sorts of things that can help you make an informed decision about who you want to work with. By you the way, them. your reviews, excuse me for interrupting you, 163,381 reviews and you have 4.8 out of 5. That's amazing result. That's that's yeah, that's over the last 5 years those are reviews that we've collected about lawn care services nearby you. And so we have the largest database of reviews about lawn mowing services in the world. It's amazing. So, I mean, it's it's really huge number. Yeah, and that started with my mom's yard. <laughs> okay okay Beautiful. she was the first one to leave a review and uh, i don't think it was a good one. <laughs> oh, really so that's 
just a few bad ones. Yeah, right. All yeah, those yeah. Tens of thousands. She's one of the ones. Why we don't? She's one of the few that we have that that why we don't have a five five star. Well, rating. she's mom. <laughs> she's mom. That's but in that's many how moms ways, are sometimes. You know, my, my, I I tease my mom, but she she's very thorough and and uh, she is one of the reasons why I'm successful. She taught me thoroughness at a young age, and any any half ass job I did, I had to do again until it was done right. So she is one of the reasons why, why I am where I am. And I mean, my God, you have so much places covered. When I yeah, go we're, we're coast to coast in the United States. Locations, that's yeah. amazing yeah, we, number of locations. We're, we're in 75% of the United States right now. Wow. And, and we, we, we are going to go as deep as we can in the United States and then expand to Canada. And then after that, maybe UK or, or Australia. And so it's been a, it's been a six year uh, journey building that business from scratch. My first business was a landscaping company that I built from just myself and one push mower to over 150 people, uh, $10 million a year in annual revenue. And that company was purchased in 2013 by one of the largest landscaping companies in the United States. After that, I took about six months off and got bored and I decided, okay, it's time to do the next thing. And I just saw what rideshare apps were doing for the taxi so, space. Excuse me, excuse me, Brian. You're the first. <laughs> you're the first guest I I I, I had uh, t- telling telling us you were bored. So let's let's go to another entrepreneurship uh, journey. Yeah, it's a weird, well, weird. I'm bored. What can weird, I do? Well, let's thing. let's develop the biggest company for for the specific field of activities. It's a weird psychological thing you go through when you get what you want. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so for me, you know, So you I got thought, a lot of money. I mean, it, I, it, it I, was I a huge a, business. It was, it was a good exit and it was Beautiful. enough to where I didn't have to work again. Uh, and so all of my, uh, I guess all of my future days are, were paid for after that moment. Uh, however, you take inventory of, what is it that, what are the things that bring you happiness? What are the things that bring you joy? And for me, it's, it's, it's progress. It's, it's achieving goals. It's personal growth. My businesses are, are a forcing function for me to grow and level up. One of my favorite quotes is George Patton. And he says, if you're not gaining ground, you are losing ground. And I, and I really believe that, you know, if anything you look at in life, even in nature, if you look at like a stream through the woods, and if that thing is not moving, it becomes full of algae and just garbage and junk. And it's not a vibrant thing that you want to hang around. And so you have to be moving. You have to be prospering. You have to be flowing in order to, in order to prosper in life, I believe. It's one of my personal philosophies. And so that's why I started the next business. I knew it would be the thing that would cause me to level up. And looking back six, seven years ago, I'm a completely different person than I was back then. I'm glad I did it. If I had known how hard it was going to be, I would not have done it because <laughs> it's been it's been a hundred times harder than I imagined it ever would be. But here we are now. We're we're nationwide. We have several hundred thousand users that use it on a weekly basis. Uh, there's there's over ten thousand service providers that make their livelihood on top of our platform and technology we built. That feels good. It's given me purpose to my life, and and I would just never I'm never looked back. What is your business uh, structure today, business model, if you yeah, want to so, share it with, with us? Yeah. So it's, it's a traditional, what they call multi-sided marketplace. So one of the first pioneers for this type of business model 
was eBay back in the 90s, uh -huh. a place where you could connect buyers and sellers. And then we started seeing more and more of this, uh, you know, uh, companies like Etsy that connect uh, people that want to buy arts and crafts from, from creators. And you started seeing more and more marketplaces emerge. And that's what type of business we have. We are a marketplace that, that connects and uh, homeowners uh, that just need a good grass cutting service with tons of lawn care services that we have vetted and over time have, have curated and, and accumulated reviews and ratings on to where they can hire them easier than they could ever before. We take a small uh, piece of the transaction uh, every time that lawn gets mowed. And then as, as time goes on and the homeowner uses the product more, there's opportunities for them to do other things around their yard, like mulching, trimming, tree, tree work, putting seed in the yard to make it grow nice. And we take a small piece of that transaction. Uh, our, our philosophy is uh, we want to make a nice convenience for homeowners uh, and on, the, on vendors, the lawn care services themselves. We want to improve their livelihood and help them grow their business and become the only thing they need to run their whole business. VAs, do you have some full-time employees? So the team is 23 right now, uh, internal employees. And then we, we have several contractors that we use for, for all sorts of things like design and engineering that kind of help as a uh, point of leverage for our internal team. And, and so we have a, a combination of internal and, and, and external remote people that's worked for us. Uh, and and a, lot of a lot of the reason for that is because we've bootstrapped this business from from the get-go we've never taken any outside capital everything we've done has been with our own our own resources our own money or our own revenue that we're taking through the platform to to fuel our growth it has you know it makes it a little slower and sometimes not as fun but it's a much more sustainable way to build a business like this because you're, you're able to go at your own clip and you're able to focus on how delighting customers rather than delighting investors which at times those can be at odds as crazy as it sounds of course, and uh, you mentioned platform. Uh, 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 what kind of technology are you using? So everything, all of our technology is is hand built uh, by my co-founder, who's who's our CTO and and our and our engineers. So we have built this thing uh, using Ruby on Rails on the back end is is what we're built on top of. And so it's a pretty some, robust. Yeah, you know, there's 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 a million debates on on uh, if it's gonna be around 10 or 20 years from now, but you look at websites like uh, Instacart, you know, it's, that's, a, that's a two or $3 billion company. They're built on rails. And uh, GitHub is another one that's built on rails. So as long as those, those big players are in the space, that will force uh, that community to continue to innovate and keep that thing fresh. Because uh, it's, it's what we're built on top of, it's what we made our bed on, to on top of. And as far as technology goes, that that is the way we solve every single problem that 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 we face and that's one of the beauties of a tech startup is is no matter what the problem you face a lot of times you can boil it down to technology and solve it with a technological solution and are you are you a, a ceo and founder or just founder i'm ceo and co-founder uh, yeah co-founder sorry mm -hmm. yeah two other co-founders that uh, uh so me. there are three of three of you guys that's correct mm -hmm. yeah and and we we grinded this thing out from scratch six, seven years ago, and 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 they're 
they're the, the two of them are the reason why we are where we are. You know, if you're starting one of these things and you're thinking of taking on a co-founder, you need to consider that decision as much or if not more uh, as to who you marry, because it's just as important. It's going to be the thing that, that, that determines your success or failure and your happiness or misery, to be honest. So I'm very lucky in that regard. I have two really good co-founders. No, absolutely. And there are a lot of d- debates. Uh, three is the magic number. It's much I believe so as well. Three. Yeah, sure. What's your daily routine? Every day I get up, do a little yoga uh, for 20-30 minutes. Um, hooked on coffee. I get a big ass coffee from Dunkin' Donuts uh, okay. uh, next to my building. Um, I, I come into the office. I do my best work uh, in the mornings from nine o'clock to one o'clock. Two o'clock, I hit a workout with my buddy, who's my workout partner. He used to be a trainer, and he uh, trains me for free. You know, and like I love that. You know, I get the benefit of a good friend and a good trainer. And so Great. we work out hard till about two. Two to five, I'll, I'll do a little bit more work. Or if I'm not feeling it, uh, I may uh, go out on my boat or I may hang out by my pool. And then uh, in the evenings, sometimes I might hit another workout with another friend or I, uh, I, I decompress with a little bit of crappy television, but I've made, a, I've made a deal with myself for every hour of TV I watch, I have to watch an hour podcast or, or read for an hour. So that's how I kind of manage that. And that's my daily routine. Great. If any if anybody listening to this uh, doesn't want to spend the time to cut their yard or they have a service they don't they're not really pleased with, they can just jump on our app on our website and get it done in sixty seconds. I love sharing my thoughts on entrepreneurialism and 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 business ownership, business development, and also personal development. Uh, so. I enjoy, I, enjoy, I enjoy doing podcasts like this. So that's 90, 99% of the reason why I do it. The other 1%, if I can do a little PR for, for my baby, so be it. You know? But 99% of the reason why I do these, I do three or four a week, is because I enjoy, I enjoy sharing my philosophies and my thoughts on, on whatever it is or across the whole spectrum, whether it's just getting started or it's scaling or it's personal development. These are, these are passions of mine. So that's why I like, like doing these. But as far as, Benefit, you know, if somebody learns about Green Pal and tries it out, great, you know. If not, no biggie. <laughs> it was it was really a pleasure speaking with you, Brian, and I learned a lot today again. And I mean, what can I say? Thank you for for being a 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast guest. My pleasure. I've enjoyed it. I enjoy I enjoy sharing thoughts and and I, I've learned from you as well. So. You know, like iron sharpens iron. (laughs) 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.